Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Joining me on this week's episode of Inside Out is Melissa Finlay. Melissa is a women's health holistic nutritionist. She has completed her advanced diploma in nutritional medicine. She is a Pilates instructor, personal trainer and mama of two. Melissa specialises in women's health and has taken a personal interest in supporting mums overcoming things like nutrition depletion, which often leads to mothers feeling overwhelmed, anxious and in some cases developing chronic illness. Melissa's mission is to support as many women as she can going through this season of life. She educates women by teaching them how they can use food, nutrition and leveraging the power of their hormones to feel energised and happy from the inside out. In this episode, Melissa shares her mission and we dive into all things women's health and hormones. Melissa shares simple and effective habits to inject into our day-to-day to ensure we provide our bodies with what it needs to thrive. We talk about the hormonal changes we go through as we transition from pregnancy to postpartum and what our bodies crave in this time. Melissa also shares how we can fuel our bodies and brains without the stress and fuss. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this chat and connect with you finally. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited as well. Oh, that's so good. So you've been in the health space for quite some time now, and I would love to know if it was a personal experience you maybe had that directed you towards your interest in women's health within nutrition? It really was, yeah. And I think that that is very common for lots of people that go into the health space. I, I My journey started about 10 years ago. I was working in a corporate job and I was not taking care of myself very well. And it was around the time that I met my now husband. We both worked um, at the same company. And I was a smoker and just being pretty unhealthy in general. And Aiden, my my husband now, he gave me an ultimatum at some point very early on in our relationship and basically said that he can't date a smoker. He wasn't a, he's not a smoker. Mm. So I had a decision to make. And at first I was like, what the heck, what, this guy is telling me what to do. I'm not okay with that. But then I did some soul searching, I suppose, and realised that of, of why would I give up something great for something that is terrible for my body? So I did, I did eventually quit um, and it was a bit, bit of a tough gig, but I got there. But what happened after that is that I just started making other changes to my lifestyle, like changing food habits and less takeaway and less out going out drinking and that kind of thing. And this was back in my early 20s, so um, pre-kids, of course. And one of the very interesting things that happened was that my cycle and my periods began to normalise And I wasn't having these almost debilitating symptoms every month. Um, And it just sort of struck me that this is something that not 
many people talk about or well I didn't know anything about the connection between food and lifestyle and hormones um and it just kind of gave me a wake-up call that this is something that more women need to know about and then yeah my journey kind of started from there yeah amazing I think I also had quite a similar lifestyle in my early 20s um and once I made that big change and that huge lifestyle change I mean it's an adjustment and it takes a minute to do and you know for your husband to have encouraged for you to do that that's just Mm. unreal that he did that for you because now you can look back and be like you were such a a big part in my change and um I really resonate with what you said there because it yeah we lived a very similar lifestyle after that there was years of study and I was still working in corporate and just making small steps towards my goal of becoming a nutritionist um, and finally got there just as my first uh, baby came along. Oh, incredible. Perfect timing. Yeah. (laughs) Having happy and healthy kids I really feel like is a mirror effect for us as mums. What we consume is mirrored to our children in all facets of our lives, you know, like spiritually, emotionally, socially, and this means physical and emotionally as well with our relationship with food. I recently had, Melissa, a really hard realisation that I've been quite complacent with my children's food choices, in particular when I was pregnant recently. Um, I'm six weeks postpartum now, but I was quite turned off eating so many healthy foods and quite exhausted too. So I wasn't preparing dinners, the groceries were out of whack and that last trimester I just felt a constant fog over my thought processes. So obviously I wasn't not thriving in any sense. Can you talk to me about how you get women to thrive in motherhood? It's That's such a common way to be I think in that especially in that last um, trimester of pregnancy and I I remember going through that too with with Evie who's now she's nearly 18 months now and I think the first thing that I'll say to that is that we can only do what we can do and when we're pregnant there's just you know we have very little energy for ourselves in that especially in that last trimester um, so to you, I would say, please don't feel bad about that. It's so, it's just so common and we just have to get through in any way that we can. But to answer your question about how do I sort of encourage mums to thrive in motherhood, I always say when you, when you feel up to making better changes and making better choices, then go and do that. But then in those moments of pregnancy and postpartum where it's all just too much, then we can fall back on those good habits that we've sort of started to ingrain and just utilise um, the the good nutrition and the good, um, yeah, the good energy habits that we've created. So there can be a bit of back and forth between doing well and then doing not as well. But as long as you come back to eating for nutrition, eating for energy um, and taking care of you so that you can take care of your family, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that you're also quite passionate about supporting women in understanding how we can leverage the power of our hormones to feel energised and happier. And, Melissa, this is quite a big topic, but I do want to digress into it because Mm -hmm. it's only been the last couple of years. Society as a whole is really evolving in terms of openly talking about women's health, in particular our period or cycle. And I saw that you actually recently shared on Instagram, if your periods are suddenly off, 
take a look back at the past month and figure out what has changed. Your cycle is like a report card for your health. So when we're looking back, what are we looking for and what are some things that you would consider to be off? Yes. Okay. So what I what I mean by that is that if you have a, a month where the lead up to your period, you're experiencing PMS where you hadn't before, perhaps. So things like, um, you know, low, mo- low moods or teariness or crankiness, um, feeling a little bit out of control, um, sugar cravings, that kind of thing. And then when you get to your period, you know, if you're experiencing things like cramping and heavy bleeding and um, bloating and those kinds of things, and they're not common for you, and by the way, these symptoms are not normal, they're just common, it probably means that something throughout the month or even the last couple of months has been different for you. So it could be things like stress, which where we're at right now, it's completely understandable if that's the case, I think. Um, So it could be things like stress. It could be that things within your diet have changed. So maybe you've had a month of um, a really social um, life where you've been out, you know, on the wines a little bit or eating takeaway a bit more often. Just little subtle changes can actually make a huge difference to the way that our cycle performs. So all of these things in the lead up to our period if they're a contributing factor, it's because they're creating things like inflammation in our gut um, and therefore there's a flow-on effect into things like hormonal balance and also just inflammation in the actual uh, lining of our uterus as well. So then it kind of makes sense that when we get to that part of our cycle where we start to shed the lining of our uterus, our period, that we have symptoms like cramping, like bloating and things like that because there is inflammation there from these things that have happened throughout the month or couple of months. Yeah, okay, that's so intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's just so much that we don't, like women just don't know and we aren't informed about to share and discuss openly. Like there's just so much more into, you know, our our cycles that we need to learn and educate ourselves on because, you know, you need to be informed about these things to teach your children and and so on. But yeah, it's um Absolutely. it's information I wish that they would teach in schools and that they put into the education system because, you know, coming up in high school and periods is like something that you was a hush hush. You don't talk about it. And when you had symptoms, my goodness, you definitely don't talk about it, especially in front of anybody because you know, then you get laughed at or teased because it's like just a hush-hush thing, you know? That's right. I hope that changes. I feel like it is changing slowly and there's some beautiful women out there that are really advocating for this and writing books um, aimed at teenagers and and younger girls too to really educate them about what's normal, what's not normal, when to speak up, that kind of thing, which is amazing. Mm. Um, And... Yeah, like we just need to inform our 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 kids better so that they can really advocate for themselves, I think. And for us right now, I think where we are failed by the medical system is that, you know, we go and see our GP about these types of symptoms, possibly, if we even bother to do that because we probably know that, you know, they're not going to say much about it. Well, like you said before, it's common, but it's not normal. And exactly. a lot of people don't know that. Exactly. And GPs, from what I can tell, 
from the stories that my clients have told me is that they go to their GP for things like hormonal headaches or, you know, PMS symptoms, heavy bleeding, that kind of thing, and they're told either that's just the way it is or they're told to go on the pill. That's basically yeah. the options that they're they're given and I just find that so unacceptable. Yes, uh, yeah, great. Many women do suffer with, you know, long cycles after going off the pill I know that I personally was on the pill for 10 years I went on when I was about 14 because I had severe acne and I decided that I wanted to realign my hormones you know a decade later and my skin was horrific for months and I just stayed stayed consistent and stayed off it but I desperately wanted to go back on it because I was so fearful of my my but my periods were so out of whack for so many months and it took about 12 months for them to go back into a normal cycle. You know, understanding that everybody's body is different, do you have any general tips for getting cycles back on track once you've gone off the pill? Yeah, that coming off the pill can be problematic in that it will take some time for your body to reset and for your for your brain, your hypothalamus to kick back in, which is where um, hormone signaling comes from, and to start actually signaling and creating these hormones in a balanced way. So to anyone that's come off the pill and are finding that, yeah, their skin is flaring up, they might be feeling like their skin is oilier than normal, their hair's oilier than normal, and then, you know, possibly don't get a period for a number of months, it can be quite normal for that to happen because, like I said, everything's realigning. So to that I would say you really need to double down on things like diet and lifestyle to just really help your body um, realign. So things like eating really balanced meals, so with protein, with low GI carbohydrate and good fats and some fibre as well, that's like the first port of call for me when I look um, at clients' diet is where where are they getting their protein, where are they getting their fat from, and are they eating in a way that sustains their blood sugar to have sustained energy? And when we do that, we are also helping our body to produce hormones in a really balanced way. If we've got blood sugar that's all over the place because we're having really um, processed carb-heavy meals or snacks or not eating for long periods of time and then having those type of meals, it's really, it can really affect our our blood sugar levels and the way that we balance our blood sugar and therefore has this flow on effect onto our hormones. So that's like the first thing yeah. that I would I would look at. And then the second thing is how our liver is doing. So the the pill, obviously that's a medication and our liver has to process that every day we're putting that medication into our body every day so when we stop putting that uh, medication into our body our liver has a big job to do of clearing out excess um, excess medication and then kicking back in to start clearing out things like excess estrogen extra excess hormones to start that regulation that regulation Um, so things to boost our our liver function is another area that I would really concentrate on. Okay. And what sort of things would you suggest? So, again, just eating really balanced meals, eating meals with lots of green leafy vegetables and lots of fibre. There's a big link between how our liver functions and how our gut functions, so taking care of our gut as well. 
And then you can do some targeted things with supplements too. So getting a bit of help from supplementation is really quite, it can be really useful for people coming off the pill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be specific things that you would talk to your health practitioner about. But then things like green leafy vegetables, they have proponent Uh, properties in them that help the liver to detoxify so upping the ante with your green vegetables is another really great way to help your liver yeah and I can definitely do that fairly easily you know yeah add to every meal or add it in a smoothie there's so simplistic ways that you can add greens to your diet absolutely agree there um Melissa I would love to ask you in this space, a lot of women openly share their struggles with conditions like endometriosis, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, Hashimoto's, PMS, or even just irregular or missing periods. And these voices are loud on social media right now because they are so common and women are asking for support on this. It really sparked my line of interest because, as you know, I have a six-week-old and I haven't had my first cycle yet Mm. since pre-pregnancy, so it's been over 10 months which obviously is totally common, but I'd love to gain a little insight into these conditions and what role nutrition plays on these. Yes, okay, yeah, and as you said, totally normal for you to not have your period back yet, um, six weeks postpartum. But the common theme amongst these conditions that you've mentioned is hormone imbalance, um, and it presents in different ways for these conditions. So for endometriosis, it's... um, There's a link there with the hormone imbalance and inflammation that's causing um, the the tissue that grows outside the uterus, um, which can be so debilitating for for the ladies that suffer from endometriosis. And PCOS, it's it's different but similar as well. There is hormone imbalances at play that are affecting ovulation and how regularly we ovulate and sometimes we may not ovulate at all, which can lead to things like infertility issues. It can lead to, um, well, there's a link between polycystic ovarian syndrome and insulin resistance. So going back to that picture I was talking to you about before with the um, blood sugar balance, that's really important there. Mm. So, yeah, there's there's links between these um, diseases and conditions that women um, go through and hormone imbalance. So my job as a nutritionist is to show them how food in their specific situation and supplementation usually as well can help to realign those those hormone imbalances, deal with things like inflammation, um, again, help the liver do its job, and gut health is a really, really big part of that as well. So looking at all of those facets and um, teaching these women how to use food and nutrition and lifestyle as well, a big part of it. Stress is such, it has such a role in hormone imbalance that needs to be addressed as well. Mm. I, I definitely love all of that. And you've touched on the liver again and obviously adding in those, those leafy greens is going to help support that. And I think, you know, before preteen and things like that with children, adding so much more fibre to their diets as well is going to help them as they enter into that prepubescent stage in life absolutely um, yeah yeah, yeah. Get their first period as well and just having that education around it too which would be really helpful um look food is fuel and it is a common phrase using my household i drive this mentality into my family because it really is something that was quite lost on me in my late teens early 20s i didn't 
understand, Melissa, how food has the ability to f- affect my skin, my mm. thought processes, my gut health, my hair, my nails. So let alone that it played any part on my menstrual cycle. So, you know, it's something that I do want to dive into the fra- phrase of food is fuel a little more and get a better understanding, firstly, to the how, what, and why. Firstly, what as women are the best nutrient-dense foods to be consuming to thrive and fuel us in our new season of motherhood, in particularly that fourth trimester when our hormones are regulating and, you know, some women may be breastfeeding? Yes. Okay. So, again, for those women in the in the postpartum period, protein is such a important part of our diet because it helps to it well firstly it helps our body to perform every function that it needs to do so that is feeding the brain feeding the gut um, renewing cells all of that stuff all comes from having enough protein in your diet but also when we're breastfeeding we have to produce so much more well we need so much more energy to do all of these things and produce our milk as well so making sure that you have adequate amounts of protein in every meal and every snack is like the number one thing that I think is just so, so important. Um, and then it's getting our, our, as I said, our low GI carbs and our good fats into each meal as well. So low GI carbs, I'm talking about, you know, not the processed type of wheat products like uh, white pasta, white rice, um, white bread and that kind of thing. I'm talking more like, you know, breads with lots of seeds and grains and um, quinoa, brown rice, all those ones that release energy in a slow and sustained way, they're really useful for us to, to help us do all of these processes as well. And then good fat coming from things like avocado. So there's plant-based sources and then non-plant-based, but the plant-based ones are things like avocado, nuts and seeds, olive oil, tahini, there's so many great ones that you can use every day and they help to really, they do so much, they help to produce healthy amounts of hormones and not just the the reproductive hormones that we're talking about but things like thyroid hormones um, that help regulate our metabolism and help to regulate all of the functions in our body and then our brain helps to fuel our brain so that we can think clearly and um you know, be able to multitask and all of those things that we need to be able to do. So that's all super, super important. And then you've got all of your little micronutrients. So that's, you know, like the B vitamins and um, vitamin A and then minerals like zinc. We can get them from our vegetables and also from things like nuts and seeds. So something I teach my all of my clients is to, to use nuts and seeds um, in absolutely everything. So they're in bliss balls, they're in, you know, sprinkled on top of our roast veggies, they're in our our muesli and our porridge in the mornings or they're in our salads so that we're just packing in as much good stuff into everything that we're eating every time to just, yeah, really get as much out of our meals as we absolutely can. Yes. And why is it so important that we nail this now? And do you think that it's ever too late Oh, it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, something that I think is so, so important post, um, post-birth, post so in that early postnatal period is, you know, you get that six-week checkup with your GP. Something that would be really good for you to do is to ask your doctor or your obstetrician as well 
to order you some pathology, some testing to check where these levels are at. So things like iron, things like zinc, things like B12, they all contribute to how we feel in terms of our energy Um, so that, you know, we're going to be so sleep deprived anyway because we have a newborn, but if we can do things to help us, why wouldn't we? If we, you know, supplement these things to get them back up to a more of an optimal level is going to help us to to get through. Yes. Um, Imagine if every GP before they diagnosed a woman with PND gave them an iron test or open these pathology reports to get done because then we could find it's postnatal depletion where absolutely our bodies are depleted exactly to find out what we need to fuel ourselves first and then see if we're depressed exactly exactly and a big player with that with our mood is thyroid health and it can be quite common postnatally that our thyroid may not be functioning optimally it might be a little bit sluggish and it can cause low mood and so that is something that I think is quite linked to that picture of postnatal depression or anxiety it can actually be that it is made worse or aggravated by things like um, thyroid imbalance Mm -hmm. and I don't think that that is actually investigated enough it's definitely something that needs to be worked on in, in, in Australia um, among the women that I spend my time with, the mothers I spend time with and have connected with that we all have been through that depletion period of, of newborn life, that trimester. Mm. And I think that so many women have identified to have PND but they actually didn't. They were just absolutely emotionally exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so true. And I think... Um, coming from, you know, as a nutritionist, obviously we want to get these nutrients from our food, but when we've gone through nine months of pregnancy and our, our baby, you know, developing in our, in our uterus and they take, they take so much from us to build their bones, their skin, you know, every, think about all of the stuff that goes on when we grow a baby inside of us. Then we give birth to this baby and we start breastfeeding if that's your choice and you know, again, giving them all of these nutrients from our body, it's it's almost impossible to finish that whole process and not be depleted and only be able to get that back from our food. It's almost impossible. And so having a good um, prenatal vitamin and then continuing that on past birth, I think that's something that is sometimes missed by women is that they think, oh, I've given birth now, I don't need to have this anymore. Yeah, and I've only recently been told about this because that I did exactly that. I just I stopped taking supplementation yeah. once I'd had my daughter, and I've recently been told no, you should continue it. So it's definitely, it's definitely, and not even just if you're breastfeeding. I think even if you're not, you could definitely use a couple more months of, you know, an iron supplement, um, or just to keep taking that prenatal so that you are topping up your levels with things like vitamin D which can get really depleted, vitamin B12, zinc, all of those things. But then if you are breastfeeding, it's even more imperative that you do this and even more imperative that you go and actually get tested to see where things are at to make sure that they're improving as well. Mm, I'm going to go and get tested. Do, <laughs> I'm going yes, to end this call with my GP.
repeat before I forget because I forget everything in the fourth <laughs> trimester. Um, and yeah, I definitely think that I should go and do that because I want to make sure that I am absolutely giving myself all the fuel to thrive. Totally agree. Um, Melissa, I really feel that I do need to break some of my old teachings on the role of food in my life and, and really understand its importance. And I've been working on a shift within myself to thrive. I need fuel because I have spoken before on the yo-yo dieting and lack of consistency I've had the last decade or so. And I feel I am always a work in progress grow, change, pivot and adapt to all the different nutritional choices. I've had several different lifestyle changes in terms of the diets that I've been on, high fats, um, no fats, paleo, this, you know, all that. But understanding the why behind what my body's craving surrounding certain foods at times of my cycle would really encourage me to make choices that will enable me to thrive. Can you break Mm -hmm. down what happens during our cycle that does create us to have these cravings yes so um what can happen is that in the lead up to our period so that I'm talking that one week 10 days pre-period time um which is our luteal phase we can see a spike in cortisol which is the stress hormone and that can lead to things like craving sugar um craving processed carbs like for me I know it's the chips I love like salt and vinegar chips is my absolute favorite thing and that craving comes out at that time yes Um, so in some ways it can be quite normal for us to do that but what it actually is is our body telling us to increase our energy intake Um, and especially if we're not eating in that balanced way that I mentioned before, like balancing our meals with the protein, carbohydrate, fat and fibre, what it can mean is that, you know, that three o'clock time comes around, we're feeling tired, we're feeling depleted. It's because we haven't balanced our meals throughout the day. So our body is basically kicking in and telling our brain that it needs a quick fix to get us through. And a quick fix of energy is sugar, glucose. So we get glucose from, you know, a really quick hit of glucose from those sugary foods or those highly processed wheat foods. Um, And, you know, it will help us feel better for maybe half an hour, but then you'll find that we go back to feeling, um, you know, tired and depleted pretty soon after. So setting yourself up for sustained energy throughout the day is really going to help with those cravings, but also... In that lead up to period time, knowing that, you know, if you're someone who's quite, um, you tend to be quite calorie controlled or portion controlled and you really try and um, keep that consistent throughout the month, giving yourself a bit more of a break in that lead up to period time and, you know, having a few extra calories, having a bigger portion, having slightly more low GI carbohydrate, it's going to help to just sustain us and help to reduce that cortisol level that I was talking about. We also become a little bit more insulin resistant in the lead up to our period, which means that we, um, the way that we absorb the glucose and then utilize that in our body, the process becomes a bit slower. So there's all of these things to consider because that can actually also sort of help make us crave sugar. So there's lots of things going on in our body at that time that we have to 
consider and sort of just roll with that a little bit more I think yeah yeah and listen to our body what it's trying to definitely take. definitely even like with our exercise I so many women I see you know they they're doing the hit and the the 6k runs and you know and they're trying to do that in the lead up to their period and it just kind of goes against how they're actually feeling physically and so then pushing through to to do that really high intensity exercise when we may not feel like it it again can actually spike cortisol that stress hormone which leads to you know feeling um, even more moody or um, just having more exacerbated symptoms come period time yeah I remember when I was um training at f45 this was a while ago now um and I would have my monthly cycle and I would force myself to commit to the classes so once I commit to something I'm fairly disciplined I'll push yeah yeah and I would go when I had my cycle and I would just feel so much worse when I left and I would be exhausted for the entire day. And I was doing that frequently, like every month yeah. I would do because I thought if I exercise, I'll feel better. And I never did. And it wasn't until I down and took, you know, really just sat with where I was feeling physically um, that that changed. Totally, so totally. Got up and went for a walk, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something more gentle is so much more appropriate at that time of the month. So, yeah, going out for a walk or doing some stretching or yoga, Pilates, something that's deemed as a bit more of a feminine movement. So that that yoga, um, that flowy type movement is it's really great for us as females, especially in that lead up to our period. And so different to the guys. So different. Oh, totally different. And something that I've adapting to now it's taken a few years to adapt to is not doing any exercise at all will not hinder my growth in muscle or loss in body fat for a couple of days while I have my cycle and it's so much more about what I put in my mouth in that time and how I feel my body in that time and, and give myself energy totally, so totally totally that's something I'm learning and I think there's still room for improvement but I'm slowly getting there and I definitely would encourage that with women and teenagers. Um, I know when my stepdaughters, you know, get their first cycle and things, that this is a conversation that I really want to have with them is to stay healthy within that time and listen to their bodies, what it's telling them to slow down. You don't have Absolutely. to. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it, a lot that plays into that is that the media messaging around us and um, what we see is that we should be consistent with these things. Yep. But that is such a male mentality in terms of how their cycle works. So they have a cycle too, which is the circadian rhythm. We have that as well. But then we have this other cycle that we are dealing with every month. So we're just not built that way. Mm. And yeah. we have to really honour that, I think. But it's something that is just not in the mainstream knowledge at the moment. So we no. need to change that. Yeah, definitely we do. You've obviously been in this space for a long period of time now, Melissa, and your clients depend on you to support them, I suppose, to unlearn their existing relationship with food because of maybe their lack of education or poor habits cultivated over time. And sadly, this can often lead to such a dangerous mentality surrounding diet culture and restrictive eating. Can you share five quick tips that would encourage women to make fast, sustainable changes in their lifestyles that would change their mentality surrounding diet and their relationship with food? Yeah, sure. Five quick tips. Okay, so the first one 
I think, is to understand the difference between eating for aesthetics and eating to fuel your body. Um, There's a big, big difference there. So I think what happens when we start to eat for fuel is that we start to feel more energised, our mood lifts, all of that good stuff starts to happen. And so we can see the reward for our work. Um, And it's just such a better way to live than calorie restricting or trying to eliminate certain groups of foods for no reason other than for our aesthetic because, you know, we read it in magazine that this would help us to lose weight or whatever it is. Mm. When you start to eat for fuel and reap the benefits of that, I think that has, it starts to have a flow on effect and I see that in my clients. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so the second tip is that when you do slip up a little bit and you know you're making these changes in your lifestyle but maybe one day you're having a bad day and things kind of creep back in to not beat yourself up about it and then go down the path of well I've stuffed it up now so I might as well just eat all of the things and you know have all of the sugar and wash it down with a glass of wine and all that kind of stuff that I've seen I see that happen a bit that um this mentality of throw throw my hands up in the air and just wait till Monday and to that I just think don't beat yourself up it we are all human so it is completely normal to have um you know to have a step backwards or a step sideways but it's what we do after that so getting back up getting back on with it and practicing these changes that we're trying to implement into our life and yeah just don't look back too much so guilt is not something that's very effective um saying you know I'll just do better tomorrow you just got to keep going so even if that means that you know you have a slip up in the morning and you say okay well that's happened now it's the afternoon I'm going to get on with having a healthy lunch that's nice and balanced and you'll just notice how much better you feel for giving yourself a break but then just moving forward and not and not um thinking too much about it because as I said we're all human Um, The third tip, I think, is to make changes slowly. So something that I do with my clients is I don't bombard them with information because I think that can be really, really overwhelming. So just starting with small, simple changes and looking at what benefit you're gaining from that. So it could be that you swap out having no breakfast for having, you know, like a nice balanced breakfast to get you through until lunchtime. And the benefit is that you get through that, you know, that morning work period so much better or that period with, you know, being home with your kids so much easier. And, you know, you you ingrain that as habit and then you move on to making another change. So that, I guess that's not a quick tip, but that is something that uh, is effective. Oh, um, but you'll definitely see quick, quick um, wins from just making one simple change. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And a, a fourth tip, I think, is to have a look at the habits that you do have in your daily life. And this is something I teach inside my membership, actually, the Amazing Mums Academy, is to look at these habits and figure out what emotion you have attached to these habits. So if it's one of the examples I use all the time is, you know, you put you put the kids to bed and then you flop on the couch with a block of chocolate because, you know, the emotion is that you're feeling drained and exhausted and you want something to comfort you. 
um, as like a reward for getting through the day and, you know, but if that kind of a habit is just not serving in that it's going to have a fallen effect to your sleep and, um, you know, you're going, you're going to have a restless sleep and then you're going to wake up feeling drained and the whole cycle sort of continues. So identifying those emotions and then figuring out what emotion you would like to feel instead. So it could be that, you know, you want to feel energised instead of feeling depleted. So rather than flopping on the couch, you go out for a 10-minute walk Yeah. and just reframing that habit to change that emotion. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, I really yeah. like that. I've recently looked at a couple of habits of my own and what I was feeling around that time of day. So like, you know, the three o'clock sugar craving or caffeine craving for me, and I've changed that up instead of jumping in the car and going and getting a takeaway coffee, I was like, okay, well, I've already had one today. Like I don't need to be having two a day. That's just silly. Um, and going for that 10-minute walk and just putting the babies in the pram. I've got an 18-month-old and six-week-old and just putting them both in the pram. Yeah. That walk. And quite often I'll end up doing 30, 40 minutes. I'll just keep walking. Um, but it's it. been a habit probably only two weeks that I've done it and now I'm just in, in – um, in a very habitual state with it and that's really awesome and another thing is I recently bought the Naked Harvest Moon Milk I'm not sure if you've heard of that it's like a clean hot chocolate um, and I really enjoy the wind down glass of wine of the night time yeah. and after the kids are in bed and I've swapped that out for the um, clean hot chocolate and I'm finding that I'm not wanting to eat chocolate through the day because I know I'm looking forward to my hot chocolate before bed yeah. Uh, I just have it with like coconut milk, like um, some good fats there, and it's absolutely delicious. And I'm not craving that glass of wine anymore. I'm just wanting that hot chocolate, and that's enough. That's so good. That's such a great example of reframing to a different habit. And then, you know, you reap the benefit of that change pretty much immediately, which encourages you to keep going with it. And then it becomes ingrained as habit. Absolutely. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Um, <laughs> And I think the last quick tip would be to look at your stress, um, which isn't, you know, it's not a nutrition tip, but it is very much um, a part of the bigger picture because if your stress is high and you're not able to manage that stress, it is going to have a flow-on effect to things like your gut health, um, the way that your brain is functioning, the way that your sleep is affected. It has so much to do with the big picture of how we feel on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Those are some awesome tips. Thank you so much, Melissa. So, look, honestly, just thank you again for sharing this conversation with me. Women's health is such a huge topic and I feel like I have so much to learn and understand and I want other women to learn and understand alongside me. So I really value your time and energy today. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. I loved being here. Thanks for having me. I know so many women listening are going to love this chat too and might have some more questions for you. So tell me, where is the best place for women to connect with you? Okay, so I hang out over on Instagram. For sure, that's where you can contact me the um, the quickest way. So my Instagram handle is at melfinlay underscore nutritionist. Um, I've also got my website which is www.melissafinlaynutritionist.com so no au on the end yep. um, and you can send me an email or through an inquiry form and also on there I've got obviously the services that I, I offer so I offer one-on-one -on -one packages for women um, to 
to take them through how to overcome, you know, the, those conditions that we spoke about, like PCOS or thyroid stuff or endometriosis, um, hormone imbalances, that kind of thing, weight loss as well. And then I, I run something called the Amazing Mums Academy, which is my online membership for mums. Um, and in that, I teach my members how to use food as fuel, like we spoke about. So using food and nutrition to sustain their energy, have mental clarity, and then, you know, fix those pesky period problems that you might be experiencing as well um, so that we can go about our days in a much more aligned and easy way. Amazing. I know that on your Instagram too, you've got a few IGTVs at the moment and they are just so informative and there's so much valuable content in those. So I strongly encourage anyone listening to jump on over to Melissa's Instagram and check out her content there because she's got so much going on. And it's seriously like some of the information I was like, oh my God, I did not know that. That's incredible. That's great. Yes. I've I've made a little video for each sort of main condition um, regarding women's health just to give some insight, I think, on what things you should be looking for um, when you're starting to look at treatment. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much again, Melissa. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.